Hey, what up, hello? Alex Kapitko here, and this is the Senate from Reality Podcast. By the time you're listening, it is Wednesday, March 8th. We are almost to goddamn sp- spring, right? Can come soon enough, dude. Anyways, I am here with... I think you've. I think I think he's been on the show. I want to say twice up to here. Uh, John Friesen, military veteran, law enforcement expert. I always enjoy our conversations on a myriad of topics. John, before I get into the rant, I wanted to get into to kind of start up this conversation. Uh, how are you? How are things going? Good, man. Uh, just uh, finally got off train for my uh, local law enforcement uh, agency I work for, and. Um, just uh, starting that career path off um, and trying to uh, <laughs> stay warm in uh, this fine weather. We've got Miracle March going on, and uh, yeah, you're doing good with though otherwise. Doing good. Well, I wanted to start with, I guess, an analogy into a metaphor, into a rant, and then I kind of wanted to get your opinion on things. So there's been a lot of thoughts over the last holy shit, we're into seven years almost of like the MAGA era, like 2015, 2016. And the Claremont Institute put out a really fascinating piece because I think a lot of people, myself included, have always been curious, like why did all these normie Republicans, all these like Reagan-esque Republicans, all of a sudden go down this kind of like retconning of history, this Trumpy dichotomy, which goes against everything they've stood for for decades. And the Claremont Institute, which used to be a really good conservative publication, in 2015, I think his name's Michael Anton or Antoine, I always forget, he has become kind of an insane right-winger. And he wrote an article called The Flight 93 Election. And I'm sure you're familiar with Flight 93, but just for the listeners, I will just do a quick like recap. Flight 93, while the other planes that were hijacked during 9-11 hit either the Pentagon or the Twin Towers. Flight 93, I think, was intended for the White House. Uh, is either that is either the White House or the Capitol building. I think, I think it was the Capitol building. But, okay, yeah. so Capitol building. And the people on the plane realized it was more important to take the plane down uh, into a field than its intended target. Basically, the idea is you bring down the plane to save more lives, right? And... Michael Anton wrote a piece saying that the Trump 2016 election was basically like a Flight 93 moment. His idea was that Hillary and the Democrats had hijacked the plane and the Republicans needed to throw out all of their principles and crash the plane. And Trump was the necessary savior. And after CPAC last week, I was thinking about it where Trump said, I'm your retribution. I am your savior. And it used to be that Trump was going to speak for the people of the country that felt unheard. Now he wants revenge. And this has made me think that basically, like, the Republican Party is now willing to throw away all of its principles in order to fight the Democrats because, in their eyes, the Democrats are dangerous. And so they're willing to crash the plane in a metaphorical field if it means not blowing up the Capitol. I don't know what the Capitol is in this metaphor, but that's the thing. And so getting further into it is Ron DeSantis has obviously passed a lot of, like Ron DeSantis is a Tea Partier, free market, small government, libertarian in theory, but he's also the one who has pretty much got revenge on Disney. He's banned the teaching of gay beams in schools. 
He's now banning bloggers for writing pieces against him. And he also is very anti-trans. And going back to that Flight 93 thing, it seems like Ron DeSantis is not a small government guy. He's actually becoming quite autocratic. And I think it's because he buys into that Flight 93 mentality where the left in his eyes is so dangerous that he's willing to basically become an autocrat to stop the others. And I'm curious your thoughts on this, but I actually think Ron DeSantis and this whole idea is quite dangerous because if you're a gay person in Florida or a trans person or just a liberal who doesn't agree with what he's doing, it's going to be hell for you because he's made it like Florida is heaven for people that agree with him and people that believe in anti-wokeism. But if you're a liberal Democrat who disagrees with him, he wants retribution. And so what happens when he runs for president? You can't just silence all your critics and then also call yourself a libertarian. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we were talking at dinner. We, we had a great dinner tonight. And you were talking about how you're detached from politics a little bit. Just, like, just in the last few months is because of the nature of my job now. But So yeah. so first, maybe respond like what you think about this break from, Demo like from, from the Republican orthodoxy. And then maybe get into that a little bit. But I just wanted to start with that as kind of a guiding lodestar for this conversation. So I think, I think it's, uh, you're fighting fire with fire for the most part. Um, but the interesting part is that you're fighting fire with fire, but you're both soaked in gasoline. Um, and what I mean by that is, is like, hey, the left has gone so far left that the right feels like they have to go hard right. And one thing that I did bring up with, at dinner with you was the aspect of um, if you were to move Ron DeSantis and Florida and just call leader X and country Y and you say all these things that he's doing, okay, like okay if you take the labels away okay, you get you get what you get it's very um just uh it, it dictatorship sounding you know it's uh it's 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 scary as what it is but like i said he's trying to fight fire with fire but he's hooking himself in gasoline this whole thing though so i mean yeah he might be able to stay in his bubble in uh, Florida and handle a lot of that himself there though but it's like hey you put that on a much more national scale it's not going to hold water at all um, yeah I hope that answer your question yeah before we get into the next part of my question I mean so that gets me to Trump versus DeSantis mm -hmm. I am in the school of thought that DeSantis is more dangerous because he's more hateful like there's something in him that seems dark there's a darkness to him that I think he's willing to do whatever he needs to do, basically to appease his side, where I think Trump, it's all tongue-in-cheek. Like, a lot of it is just kind of like entertainment. And yes, Trump is dangerous. Yes, he lied about elections, blah, blah, blah. But I just think DeSantis is more dangerous because he is proving the cure can be worse than, than the disease. Because I think both of us agree that, like, wokeism and, like, freedom of speech are threatened by the left but what he's doing almost feels like a problem and i think your ex country x leader y or whatever thing is important because let's say we put like a left-wing socialist into florida with those same laws i don't think republicans would then be happy like no. that's the thing about free speech is it's not about the moment it's about the future yeah. and what what precedents you're setting yeah um and it's another thing we brought up at dinner, though, too, is, like, the disconnection that those people actually have with the people that um, are in their, not in their party, per se, but just normal Americans, really. Um, you know, at, we've been around the country a little bit, 
haven't really lived too many other places, but, um, you know, and then been halfway around the world a couple of times, but, um, generally most people just don't give a shit, you know, about the, about a lot of these, uh, about a lot of these issues, you know, they're worried about trying to put food on the table and providing for themselves. Um, and yeah, there are, is probably a, a section of the United States of the world, generally speaking, somewhere that actually has those issues, uh, or has those concerns, but, you know, for me, it's like, and you probably also, it's like, okay, okay, gas prices are still high, inflation is still through the roof, um, and we're just trying to make it day by day, you know, and hopefully that, you know, we'll be able to pull through this in the long run. Um, in the case of their rhetoric and that, that what they're going for, it's just like, like what, where's the priorities at and where's the tax dollars really going with all these dudes, you know? Um, you see what the I mean? What's the tax rate here here in Washoe? It's like eight and a half percent, something like that. Eight point seven. You know, you have that much money. And, you know, you, if you figure out that your that your representatives and your leaders are spending money on this stuff, like you're gonna be irritated. So I mean, personally, I think it's like I feel like the, a lot of those people in Florida do have those concerns and they like to ride that wave. But it's like, you know, are you really fixing the problems or are you just kind of going with the trendy? Th- issue is what's the flavor of the week type thing if that makes sense it does and i think part of it too is that the republican party doesn't have a platform like i don't agree with the democratic party's platform and i'm not a democrat but they do have like talking points of policy they're like, we want to lower prescription drug costs. Mm-hmm. We want to lower higher institutional education costs. We want to make health care more affordable. Like, they, there's things that they talk about policy-wise. The Republicans, like, literally the 2020 CPAC convention, or no, it was the GOP convention, sorry, did not even have a platform. Mitch McConnell said Trump is the platform. And I feel like the problem when you don't have a platform is that you start focusing on these culture war issues. And I'm, I'm reading a book... R- what's his name ray dalio's book about the rise and fall of different civilizations and he always talks about how culture wars and like civil rot are always like a big key and like a civilizational decline and i feel like the gop is in kind of a metaphorical decline of its own because like they're so focused on stopping woke trans activists (laughs) that they don't actually care about feeding anyone Mm -hmm. and like it's funny because it's not funny, it's depressing. <laughs> but like like the East Palestine thing, for example. Yeah. Yes, Trump went there, right? Pete Buttigieg didn't until way after Trump. Like it was insane that no one in the Biden administration went there before Trump. Yeah. But <laughs> Trump is there because it's a culture war. I don't know if you've heard what Tucker Carlson has said about East Palestine. But it's all like it's because they're white people that no one's caring. I actually don't think that's the case because it, it just doesn't add up. No. Uh-uh. But that's like that's why Trump is there. It's not because he cares about East Palestine. It's because this is a culture war. The Fox News viewer connects with East Palestine. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And and but there's no actual like goals of helping the city from Trump. It's just like Biden's not here. I'm gonna eat at McDonald's and then look at the mayor. Oh, the nice mayor. <laughs> He stands out, and the mayor's very overweight, by the way. And he's, like, pointing at the mayor, saying, look, he stands out. So, like, he goes there, eats McDonald's, and calls the mayor fat. Is basically what Trump did in East Palestine. Well, so, I mean, on another level with that, though, look at what 
Trump did during uh, his election. I think he, I think he already got the uh, the candidacy. Uh, what do you call it when you get the primary spot? Uh, become a Republican primary for, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, uh, you know, he went down to Mexico and actually spoke to the Mexican president. Um, you know about the border issues, which you know is a partial publicity stunt to show that hey, he can already act in the capacity of you know the president. Yeah. Is it actually going to do anything? Maybe, maybe not. You know, um, he's still just running for the—he's running for office. Um, and the, and I feel like it's the same thing with the East Palestine thing. I mean, yeah, it's crazy that the people that have been in office for you know X amount of years now have haven't shown up there, and it takes the kind of you know the I don't say underdog, but you know it takes Trump to show up there for them and be like, okay, now we actually have to do something. Um, you know, I know it's a big talking point, but everybody can resonate with it. It's like, okay, you guys are just sent uh, Ukraine, you know, billions of dollars, but you can't mobilize FEMA and a couple of National Guard units to go down there and help out East Palestine and then tell the people actually what the hell is actually going on there and then, you know, mobilize them to get them out of there, do whatever. I mean, I understand it's these people's homes, though, but it's like, you're just going to lie to them and be like, oh, yeah, everything's hunky-dory and fine. I mean, we all remember when Obama went to uh, Michigan and drink the flint water it's like he didn't drink no flint water like you know he, he i guarantee you they probably tested or pulled out of aquafina ball in the back whatever right but it's a, it's the same sort of thing though it's like it erodes at the trust that the people have in the government it's like once again you'll send billions of dollars somewhere else which has this time and place for 100 percent. but when it's a small town in ohio and you guys can't, you know, pony up and give the resources they need to those people, especially them being Americans first and foremost. It's it's bullshit is really what it is. Um, and, and getting back to the case of Trump going there, it's like, me personally, I think he's just going there just for the publicity piece of it, though, too. Be like, look, I'm doing things and they're not. Okay, well, what did you actually do? Did you sell the whole entire Trump Tower or you know, you know, but, sell but John, he gave Trump though. water. Come on, <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> but you know, it's like, it, it, yeah, you show a face there. That's great though, but that's not gonna solve people's problems. Guess what? Those people still have to wake up tomorrow morning in those same houses and be around all that same toxic uh, substances are in the air and in the ground and whatnot, though. And two, it's like we're in the infancy of this whole thing. We don't know where this is gonna be ten, twenty years from now. We always see those those. Uh, those uh, lawyer ads, I don't know exactly what they're called. Be like, did you live in East Palestine from between twenty between twenty twenty three and twenty twenty five? You may be entitled to compensation. You know, it's like it takes a class action lawsuit for those things to actually go through. Instead of being honest with these people and giving them, the, you know, what the resources they need now, it's fucking unfortunate. Is what it is. It really is. And it's sad. Yeah, I I think it was Derek Johnson in the Atlantic who wrote a really good piece that it was called something to the effect of the nothing works economy. And I, I, I feel like in a general sense, that's what we live in is the nothing works economy. And it's because politicians don't give a shit. I again do argue and I'm a libertarian. I'm an independent, but I do think the Republican party is more toxic than the democratic party. I, I think that the argument the right has on the Democrats is that they're woke. Biden is not woke. 
right? I mean, I remember he told some guy in a wheelchair to stand up. <laughs> like, he's not woke. Like, but that's the only argument the right has because they're caught in a culture war. The, the left's argument of the right, I think, is more genuine. It's that you have a president who doesn't accept elections. The results, you have Kerry Lake loses quite significantly yeah. in Arizona and now wants to run for the Senate because she claims she won. It's like, dude, if you're governor, then why aren't you in the fucking governor's mansion right exactly. now? Yeah. And the thing is, is this party is almost like losing, so now they're embracing losers and saying they won. It's like some sort of weird, like, dystopian, Kafka-esque future that we live in. And that's why I think our politics don't work, is because you have one party that's idealistic, which are the Democrats, and idealism doesn't work in reality. And then you also have another party that completely just doesn't want politics to work. They actually almost believe in like bringing the system down because mm-hmm. I think a lot of them are closet fascists. Not like the actual Republican voter, but I think the people in charge of the Republican Party. And then you get to an economy and a country where, what, it was like over the last month there was like three different planes almost collided, either during takeoff or landing. Mm-hmm. You had that private plane yesterday, yeah. or not yesterday, like last week, I think it was, where that gal dies due to high turbulence. You have that FedEx plane and the Southwest plane almost hit midair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a fucking problem. You have thousands of train derailments. You have a housing crisis that no one can afford to live anywhere. Yeah. You have Fox News literally admitting that it was just lying to its voters and viewers. Like, it's, it, it, it's troubling to me. So what, like... Obviously, I have to be engaged in politics because that's kind of my thing. You work in law enforcement, generally speaking. You're obviously kind of like an apparatus of politics, right? Like, I work but, for the government. Yeah, yes, no, yeah, e- yeah. exactly. But do you yeah. actually like still really want to be engaged in politics, I guess? Um, because it all sucks. <laughs> well, it's just like, it, oh, man... <laughs> Uh, a mutual friend of ours, I remember I told him once, because uh, he was ranting on Facebook, um, <laughs> like, look, what's going to, uh, well, not what's going to, but you still have to drink your cup of coffee every tomorrow morning. Like, so you have to get up and go to work. A lot of these issues and stuff that's happening is uh, stuff that's outside your realm. Uh, one concept I used to live by, that I, st- that I used to live by, is the uh, three-foot world concept, and pretty much what that means is um, it's an analogy from a rock climber being like, look, when you're on the side of a rock, of a, of a rock face, the only thing you have control over is a three-foot world around you. Um, you know, you can't do anything about what's behind you. You can't do anything about what's 20 feet over from you. Yeah, you can look up, see some rocks falling, kind of dodge a little bit if you need be, but generally speaking, though, that's, that's your world. Um, and a lot of these people just, you know, you when it comes to myself being in politics, is like, yeah, I have to you know be cognizant of what's going on with the geopolitical and with the presidency, but a lot of it just it comes out of local politics, you know. Um, in my case, it's like we have ridiculous amount of fentanyl overdoses, and it's everybody's coming in on. It's not heroin, it's not cocaine. Yeah, you get a couple of nuggets of weed every now and then, but it's all fentanyl that everybody's coming in on. Um, my biggest thing is just like, okay, well this is a problem that I can spearhead here to a certain degree um, especially with my line of work 
and you know try to fix this issue where is this stuff coming in from where is it getting processed from how is it getting cut in the area and uh, for listeners cut is like how if it's getting combined with another substance as a filler type thing um and uh and just be involved in local politics that way you know, um, and I feel like you actually have a better time and not as much of a, you, you're going to see the fruits of your labor, let me put it that way. Whether it be showing up to your local board meeting for the the HOA or even the, the city council, you know, um, you go in there and you're able to actually voice your concern. You know, you can yell and hoot and holler as much as you want on social media about, you know, the president or, you know, or whoever is in politics right now and, you know, on the federal side, but they don't care what you think or say, you know, or they're not even engaged in it. They're not even part of our people. I mean, I don't mean to say our people, but they're not part of the general populace of the backbone of America. Um, you know, they, I mean, I know uh, Biden talks about him, Papa and where the hell he says in Scranton, but, um, you know, like they're, they're disconnected from us. And, for me, in my case, yeah, you guess it's stay interested in it, mostly because I have prior military background, though, too. I'll make sure that we're not all about to go spill a shitload of, you know, our blood over there, wherever the, over there is. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I have no control over it. And I'll revert back to what initial said, that initially said about the cup of coffee statement. It's like, what's well, going to affect your cup of coffee tomorrow morning? Whatever Biden's doing or whatever is happening with your local school board, why, you're, why are your kids struggling in school, maybe, okay, is there any programs that are in place at the school? No, because the local school board has some place for that, 100%. And then actually figure out, if like, you know, hey, the president said something stupid today that might cause, you know, World War III or something like that, I don't know. But if that makes sense. Well, I, 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 have, to, I have to step in because I, I, think, I think you indirectly touched on something. I, I think the reason why uh, the Republicans keep winning the optics war is because they've been correct on schools. And when you were talking about are your kids getting educated and all that stuff, it just reminded me is that, like, Glenn Youngkin, Virginia's governor, was pretty strict on lockdowns, right? Kids weren't going to school. By the way, parents love their kids. They don't want to spend all day with their kids. And a lot of voters said, I want my kids back in school. Ron DeSantis also kept schools open. Gavin Newsom, Lori Lightfoot, um, J.B. Pritzker in Illinois, they all closed schools, just to name a few. And the problem here is that I think Ron DeSantis overstepped it. Again, the cure being worse than, than the disease type of mentality. Glenn Youngkin is governor of Virginia because he's a Republican that distanced himself from Trump, but also said, I'm opening up schools. Ron DeSantis decided to like go too far in that lane. And was basically like, I'm not just going to open schools. I'm also going to mandate that they don't teach X, Y, and Z in schools. Yeah. And that's where it got over. But I think, excuse me, I, I think generally speaking, that's where the Republicans have been strong is in schools. And it's weird because Democratic states actually have better, pretty much like a litany of, di- of different standards that show that like reading, writing, arithmetic are all better in Democrat states. But somehow the Republicans always seem to win that argument. Like, Florida's middle of the road. California and Illinois are in the top five. You know, and and so it always blows my mind that they can always just, like, win this argument on this. But I think it comes down to, like, what you were talking about is, like, 
you have to drink your coffee tomorrow. Like, how's the coffee made? Like, how does it taste? Like, how are you doing? It's like people don't judge it by what I judge things by or metrics. Like, oh, California is like, or Illinois is like second in the nation for public schools. Florida's like not. Yeah. <laughs> um, people don't, that's not how they judge things. They judge it by how are my kids, how am I? And I think like that's where it gets complicated is because like the numbers don't match the sentiment. And that's why things get really complicated when you really want to, like, dive into our nation's issues. Like, I bet if you polled a lot of people in Arkansas, or if you talked to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she would think Arkansas is the best state in the union. But the numbers just don't show that. And so, like, I understand what you mean. But, like, how do we go forward when... The the thing is, is I feel like at least from talking to you and talking to my friend Maria in Spain and a lot of others as well, I feel like people, people that I actually trust and think should be involved in politics are slowly getting detached. And what I mean here is that it, the fire hose of falsehood, the constant, the constant like flaming the system with shit mm-hmm. means that like sensible moderates no longer want to engage and then you just have the Matt Gateses and the Marjorie Taylor Greens like running it, <coughs> and and that's what worries me is that like you're not the first person who's told me they just are like nah. yeah, well, and my side of that would be like okay those moderates though, their concerns have fallen on deaf ears, and it's because the people on the far right and far left are the louder ones, and can you know get I want to say get stuff going faster but they're they're the louder ones and they're gonna get hurt over than anybody else um so and i think i think a lot of this is a lot of what the government is doing right now is forcing people to not look outward but look inward once again that three-foot world thing of i need to worry about myself and not think that I need to pretty much be. I need to take care of myself, because there's not going to be this magical thing up in the sky that's going to come down and beam down. And when I say magical, and I'm not talking religion. I'm talking about just the government in general, um, and bestow good tidings upon us. You're in control of your of your future and your world around you, generally speaking. Um, and I feel like what's happening right now is creating that that mindset where it's like. Um, I have to take care of myself and to go back to my original saying of it's falling on deaf ears. I feel like a lot of those people, that's where it's going to. And then certain amount of those people will then go to the far right or far left. So those people that are pissed off about learning X, Y, Z in their school, you know, they push that far extremism of it. And now, you know, they're part of those, that same group that they um, were uh, outshouted by, so to speak. So, Absolutely agreed. Moving on, I wanted to play a quick clip from Tucker Carlson from today. Okay. Uh, let's listen to it, and I'm just curious your thoughts. Uh, hindsight, I talked about on this on this topic on the podcast, and uh, Kevin McCarthy is a pussy ass bitch, <laughs> and he he gave um, Tucker Carlson about forty thousand hours of footage, uh, and he gave no one else really good, fair, and unbalanced. <laughs> These are the pictures you've seen of January 6th. 
They're familiar because they've been playing on a loop on every media outlet in America for the last two years. There's a reason for that. But it turns out there's quite a bit of video you haven't seen. And that video tells a very different story about what happened on January 6th. More than 40,000 hours of surveillance footage from in and around the Capitol have been withheld from the public. And once you see the video, you'll understand why. Taken as a whole, the video record does not support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection. In fact, it demolishes that claim. And that's exactly why the Democratic Party and its allies in the media prevented you from seeing it. By controlling the images you were allowed to view from January 6th, they controlled how the public understood that day. They could lie about what happened and you would never know the difference. Those lies had a purpose. They created a pretext for a federal crackdown on opponents of the Uniparty in Washington. Our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and awe that we could charge as many people as possible. The first thing you notice from viewing the full video record of January 6th is just how many people entered the Capitol building that day. Hundreds and hundreds of people, possibly thousands, over the course of about two hours. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up Sight in neat Sears. little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously and revere we'll the Capitol. Where organizers had secured a f just walked in. Story. Of course, they give Chansley due to receive this punishment. To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, oh, it is very man. clear what happened once he got inside. Like, how is he just Virtually in every moment of his time he, inside he the Capitol like was like, caught on okay, tape. Your uh, scene's coming up. I need you to. Uh, we need to get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Did you get inside your your tape show? The Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. So, John, uh, what do you think about this new footage? So, the first thing you automatically you can go to, I mean... Honestly, if you don't trust the government, is uh, it's it's all conspiracy theory. I mean, and then they wonder why. Oh, it's not conspiracy theory. It's like, but then you show footage like that. What do you think that? What the hell do you think it's gonna spark? You know, um, you have this dude, the QAnon shaman, and I, I remember Chansley. Yeah, yeah, it's QAnon shaman. Okay, he has Fuck. a cape. Fine. <laughs> Anyways, um, I call him drunk Vikings fan, but that okay. works too. Um. But, uh, you know, you see all this footage that's coming out now, and, um, like, we, like, a boy brought up to you at dinner, it's, like, with the, uh, the Warren Commission. Um, back then, is like, people just kind of took their word for it at first, though, but then as the footage started coming out, and some other things started, people started saying other different things, it's like, hey, well, it's not the full case. The same thing with this whole thing that's going on right now, um, 
you brought up earlier saying that, well, it's possibly that because he was getting escorted out because he was arrested. I don't know how Capitol Police operate. I mean, well, actually, I, I didn't even bring that up on the air yet. Oh, but, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, Regardless, I, though. Just, just for the listeners, I was telling John when we were watching that video off the air, that video of Chansley getting escorted, I don't think he was being escorted in. I think he was being escorted out. That's why it was more peaceful. But then John had a retort. Yeah, so my rebuttal to that, or retort... Rebuttal's a new better. word. I'm not that educated, so... I'm not that, I'm not that educated. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that, uh, you know, okay, if he's arrested for trespassing trespassing or destruction of government property, okay, you're going to be put in cuffs. I mean, there's no difference between the Capitol building and if you get trespassed from uh, like, a, like one of the casinos here in Reno. Um so that that's where my issue with that whole thing is, um, and then the rest of the footage comes out. I mean, I, I think we talked about this before. I think it was just a, one of our FaceTime calls we did, but it's like give us the whole thing. Don't give us some lean which way narrative or anything else. So give us the whole freaking picture and let us decide it what it was and what actually happened. And then you have this whole thing like that the January sixth commission is this, you know, pinnacle of our government and. And investigation work. Um, But when it all comes out, though, it's like everybody can kind of tell that it's, you know, some of it's botched, some of it's missing pieces, and they kind of take you on this fairy tale, kind of walk through the whole thing. Wait, wait, Joe, look look behind you. Look who's on. Oh, Lordy. It's Tucker. Anyway, sorry. Oh, (laughs) boy. So... That's that's where you know the, all this footage has come out now. It's like okay, well, has everybody gone to that footage with a fine tooth comb and gone from A to B with every single you know do a full investigation on the whole thing? Um, it's just interesting how the commission or the the whole investigation is over, correct? Yes, okay. uh, but it's not over because it should be over. It's over because the Republicans took the House and they disbanded the committee, which to me is like a sign like they don't want the committee to dig deeper. Because if you actually look at public opinion polls, since the yeah. committee was actually in place, the Americans, the majority of Americans for the first time since January 6th actually thought Trump was dangerous. And I think being reminded constantly about the coordination that it took in the White House and his lack of like response to what was happening, I think a lot of Americans, even Trump supporters, were like, "Dude, this is like not great." And the thing is, is that the January sixth committee, only two Republicans were on it. I was watching Hannity earlier today, and he had Jim Jordan, who was supposed to be on the committee on. Jim Jordan's a fucking nutbag, by the way. And and Hannity framed it as Jim Jordan was wrongfully kicked off the committee. Here's the truth: is Jim Jordan is implicated in the January sixth investigation. He was on the phone with Trump literally like during the riots and they didn't want someone who could potentially be a propagator of the big lie to be part of the investigation but Hannity framed it as he was wrongfully kicked off the committee so like my thing is I understand what you mean Mm -hmm. but I actually think the committee did something that historically will be important is they've created a record of what happened the January 6th committee was never meant to prove anything no 100 it was meant to just provide a public record of the actions of that day and here's the problem with january 6th and this is something that i will truly admit i don't think it was a riot 
but I do think it was a dangerous day for democracy. And what I mean is that it, this was not what a lot of Democrats call it. This was not like a coup. Mm-hmm. But what it was, was the Trump administration willing to let average citizens do its wrong bidding because it didn't want to leave the White House. And that's pretty fucking new in terms of our democracy. You know what I mean? Like, whether it was a coup or not, you had Mike Pence and Republicans and Democrats calling for help. And you had Trump saying he wanted people with guns to be able to go to the Capitol. The Secret Service said no. You had Trump, like, gleefully, according to reports, laughing at what he saw. Like, that's troubling to me because this is a guy who didn't want to leave office. And so the disturbing part is that you had Republicans. There's photos of Josh Hawley screaming and running. The next day then saying it was a false flag offense. Like... It just, if you watch the tape up to this day, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is Tucker Carlson has 40,000 hours. The problem with that 40,000 hours is that he's, it's not fair and balanced. He's the only guy in the media who has it. So, no, like MSNBC can't respond, PBS can't respond. He now has complete control over 40,000 fucking hours mm-hmm. of footage. And that means they can do what he has a. The biggest show in the country. But, I mean, my argument to that one, though, is that it's the same thing that the um, that the James 6 committee is going to do. Okay? So, they kind of took us... But they us... brought in witnesses. No, I know. But what I'm saying, though, is like... And I'm not saying that their whole thing was botched and it was bullshit, but they kind of took you on... They kind of held your hands to this whole thing and told you mm-hmm. how it went. Tucker's going to do the same shit. I mean, and I think what this whole thing can boil it down to, and this is something that even when January 6th happened, because right before January 6th, what happened? Okay, all the all the um, the BLM riots were happening. It's like, okay, generally speaking, those are left-leaning, uh, you know, belief riots, whatever. Um, and then the whole time, a lot of people are like, well, the Republicans would never do something like that. And then they decide to, you know, have a litter of kittens on the Thanksgiving table and storm the Capitol. Now, it wasn't as violent as a lot of the BLM riots, riots obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I still can consider it a riot, though, because... Um, I don't know the exact definition of riot, but long story short, it's a group of people that. Hold on, I might actually remember it. Um, it it's a group of people going to do something illegal. Okay, hmm. that's, that's but it's probably a mass gathering, riot. right? That's... I mean, that's what the Nevada revised statutes state a riot is. Um, so you know, and I know that that's not as verbatim, but you know, by definition, it's still a riot. It's like, hey, you guys are going in there, and yes, there's. Obviously, there's footage of them breaking windows and, you know, going in and messing some stuff up. Okay? It's technically a riot. I mean, anyways. Um, but across the board, excuse me, let me get back to what I was saying. Um, when it comes to, when they when they went in there and they they took over the Capitol, um, it was like they said, they took the cake on this whole freaking thing. And showed that the pendulum swings back and forth both ways. So regardless if Tucker Carlson has it or whatever news agency is going to have it, they're going to twist it in their favor in order to get the views or whatever else. Um, that's one thing I find it hilarious about watching Fox News is like, the media, the media, the media. It's like, <laughs> you idiots are the media. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, stop trying to point fingers at other people. You guys are just as culpable for half the bullshit that, you know, spewed out and with the division between the country. Now, don't get me wrong, there are, they both channels put on good stuff. Like, I, I switch back and forth thing when I do ever watch news. I'll switch back and forth between CNN and Fox because sometimes Fox has some stupid-ass shit that it's like, okay, I don't understand <laughs> how this is relevant to, you know, our what's going on in the nation right now. Um, and same thing with CNN. Like, but, but hold on, hold on. I, yeah, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I just have one thing to say is... Do you see what I'm saying, the, though? No, no, I, I totally understand okay. what you mean, and maybe yeah. in a moment we can go tinfoil yeah, yeah. hat versus reality, because I... Well, I'm not talking about tinfoil like, hat, no, though. No, I'm just no, saying but, just the back and forth but, of it. No, no, I, I understand what you mean, and, like, there are thoughts I have in my head. Like, sometimes I do somewhat think that, like, the narrative that was created yeah. was not 100%, and I think that would be the argument for Tucker Carlson, correct? Yeah. Is is that like he is now providing f- this unreleased footage. But wait, I said though before, like so I know I kinda made a long story about that though, but the pendulum goes back and forth though. Yes, it does. Okay, so he has forty thousand hours of unreleased footage. Now if he puts up a you know, a video on his page of whatever and it's start to finish, no edits, no nothing of that forty thousand hours, and if you want to sit there and press play and watch all forty thousand hours, good for you. But what they're gonna do is pick the highlights and the high points, yeah. and that's probably what they did in this, in in the the um, the footage we just saw of them kind of strolling through the Capitol building, doing this, doing that. Did they nitpick those high points also to make it look like oh it wasn't really that bad? Just like with the committee, they but, picked but the high points to go from there with it though. So I'm not trying to yeah, say a tinfoil sure. hat thing. I'm just saying though, no, that no, pendulum no, no. goes back and forth to this whole thing, and yeah. it doesn't matter who has the footage, but. No, I mean, I, I was I was more meaning in a few minutes I'd be down to entertain some of the tinfoil hat ones. But what I more meant was the January 6th committee was different, in my opinion, because they brought people from the Trump administration who were there in the room and actually witnessed, like, the behavior of Trump officials and politicians prior to this. Mm-hmm. So, like, the thing is, is I, I am not a lawyer, but... Video footage only goes far enough. Like, you do need testimonies and other forms of material, right? And to me, I think the most compelling parts about the January 6th committee were not the videos that were released, but it was actually talking to, like, people that were talking with Trump the day of. And they saw how he had to film... Ivanka made him film this video that he fucked up, like, ten times because he kept, like, kind of saying... Yeah. Like, go for it. And, like, like that's the thing to me is, like, this video Tucker Carlson put out means nothing to me in a sense because all you have to do is, like, Occam's razor is very yeah. important in this. Is like Trump lied about the election. He said mail-in voting, voting wasn't going to work. Then they challenge all these things. Then he threatens Mike Pence literally an hour before this happens. And then they all march to the Capitol. Yeah. Like, it doesn't take rocket science to know, like, if you pretty much piss off a group of people. And all I have to do is l- listen to the testimonies of two of the Proud Boy members and just one of the guys who's now in prison for this. He testified and he said, I lost my job. I love Trump. I was convinced to go there. I was mad. All Trump had to do was throw that match and it ignited all of us. And like, that's what I don't... I, like someone on the Bulwark podcast had a good point today. They said Tucker will do anything 
to be against whatever the narrative is. So yeah. if the narrative is January 6th is bad, he will just... So maybe we need to do reverse psychology on him. Maybe we need to say January 6th was good. Maybe he's like, no, 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 wait, no, I was wrong the whole time. Like, it, it just seems like Tucker is just a bad faith actor. Like, he's always trying to obscure the truth just to fuck with us. Well, and my argument, that would be like what we talked about with the, uh, with like the disconnection of the government and the regular people. It's funny how Tucker Carlson bitches and moans about a lot of these people, or, you know, that, but they're in within either the government or the media. It's like, once again, dude, you are the media. You make a shitload of money to be on TV. And good for you. I mean, you, you grind to that point. I'm not yeah. going to dog you for that. Um, but you're doing it for the appeal of the viewers. Okay. XYZ is putting out this narrative. I'm going to put out narrative F. And people are going to listen to that, though, because, I mean, generally speaking, it's like if, if everybody's going for... How do I put this? He's going to appeal to that group that's not going with the masses, mm-hmm. and then those people are going to, you know, take it as gospel. And that's, and that's an issue with it, you know? Um, and so they, that that's my whole thing with, with it. It's just it's like, look... You're gonna put out that narrative, and it's, you know, that's gonna be your that that's gonna be your narrative. People are gonna buy into that one, that whole one. Then a day, yeah, okay. There are some wave tops that actually happen, and I'm not saying it's all bullshit, but there's some wave tops that actually happen, and the rest is filled in between either Tucker Carlson or the committee or MSNBC or CNN, and and you're gonna you know, pick. Which wave you want to ride for the most part, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I, I agree. And I, I actually, like, just staying on that for a second, I, I think Fox News has actually done kind of a disservice. Not like the lawsuit stuff. But because a lot of us can't disseminate truth versus fiction with them, a lot of the left, anything Fox News says, they all of a sudden think it's a lie. Like, I lived in Chicago. Chicago is a shit show. It's a mm-hmm. nightmare. There's a reason why Lori Lightfoot just lost. And Fox News was the first one to say Chicago is a bad place to live. So then all the left was like, oh, well, that must be wrong because Fox said it. You don't want to be in the place as a media company where whatever you say, the other side says it's wrong. Yeah. And, like, I think that's almost part of what's wrong with our society in a sense is that, like, if MSNBC says something, Fox News says that must be a lie. And just because one side of the media says it doesn't mean it's wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Yeah, but you can see that back and forth. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's like that this, it's, this, it's like Fox says yeah. crime is bad in San Francisco and they bring on Bill Maher to talk about it. So then the left is like, "Oh, Bill Maher must be a right-wing nut." It's like, "No, maybe crime is bad." Or like Fox News talks about the border. The border's a shit show. Look, it was a shit show during Trump. It was a shit show during Obama. Shit show the borders, Bush. the yeah, borders a, a mess. Yeah, exactly. But like Fox and MSNBC, like like during Trump, it was his fault, on, according to MSNBC. Now it's you know Biden's fault, according to Fox. Um, anyways, tinfoil hats for a minute, and then we'll get out yep. of here. If if I had to, like, you're under the spotlight. Okay. The moon landing's faked. Was January sixth faked? Uh, I'm gonna say seventy thirty. Hmm. Explain. Maybe sixty forty. Um, Ooh. Uh, the heavier one being uh, fake staged. Um, 
would you know whatever term you want to put for that and then the lower one being actual people going there because um same thing with the riot the first thing you do when you have a riot happening you figure out who's the person that's kind of coordinating this shit out mm. um and so with this whole thing i mean it, <laughs> dad you know to put another layer of tinfoil on our hats um, you have a thick hat 100 <laughs> percent um with the uh was well, a case of that Mich- the Michigan governor there's Gresham more Whitmer. yeah Gresham Whitmer there is more FBI agents and informants involved in the case than there were suspects in the case so with January 6th I mean I wouldn't be surprised if that I mean I don't know who they would be put out by I mean I don't know if it would be a government thing or just an anti-government group thing but I could definitely see it being um there's a lot of people that were involved in coordinating and pushing people to that brink and you know mob mentality is a real thing i've seen it happen um but once that kicks in the other 30 percent um they're just gonna roll with it and that's what we see here now so um i'm not gonna say it's 50 50 just because of the nature of how it all played out and obviously we got this footage now too um but that's that's my that's my kind of two cents on that whole thing. So, but the same. But once again, it's also mob mentality though too. Um, you know, a lot of people try to do conspiracy theories about nine eleven. It's like, okay, there were a lot of box cutters on airplanes, and the doors weren't locked to the cockpit. And somebody got smart enough, unfortunately, to hey, let's fly these planes into buildings. Same thing, the Capitol building. I mean, I think we talked about this before months ago, but because I think you asked me like, why, like, why don't they have security and all this stuff and whatever? And it's like, well, because nobody's ever done that before. They don't need because they didn't think they needed. Yeah, exactly. It's like nobody's gonna think they're gonna storm the freaking Capitol. We always we have this idea that the only people gonna storm the Capitol is gonna be Russian spetsnaz with North Koreans on back of pterodactyls (laughs) flying in. Alan is, is Alan Grant the president yeah, in that situation? Yes. Cool. Uh-huh. Thank you. Um, uh, they do move in herds. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Welcome. Yes. To Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, life finds a way. Okay, we're done with Jurassic Park. Right? <laughs> yeah, we're. we're like, I mean, we can talk about the lab. League. <laughs> yes, we can talk about true. the lab league, and then we could talk about like Ian. Oh. But anyways, uh, no, no, stick, no, on okay, yeah. stick on this. Stick anyways, on this. Anyways. Um, but you know, it's like, you ask like, how come they, all this stuff would happen? It's it's kind of funny. You have this whole false idea about how the government operates, how the government works. And for a person that's myself that I've worked in the government for many years, a lot of shit's just pretty cut and dry. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Um. So in cases of the Capitol, it's like it's this paper mache facade of a building that represents our representatives. Now, after the, the insurrection happened, they just got authorization and blessing to have all this money get dumped into the freaking place. So now I have all these security measures in place, you know, um, I can't remember what the term is called, but where it's like, hey, this planter box is actually a barrier and there's steel rods inside here. So that way if you try to drive a car through it, it's kind of, you know, whatever though. Um, Don't drive your car thing. through it. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, you know, they dumped all this money in this place and now it's an actual fortified facility. Now, I'm also a person being proactive, said reactive. So I don't know why the hell they've never done this before. And I'm not talking about for 
you know, for rioters, but just in general for safety and security of the building, but nobody's ever tried before. So to get back to the original question, I could say 70-30 of groups of people that were higher up and able to coordinate people through, do asymmetric warfare type shit, and get a group of people together, and then just kind of let it go out in the ether and watch your uh, little project develop. Hmm. On the flip side of that, yeah, it could be just a whole mob thing that everybody just loves Trump that freaking much and went into it. Well, maybe we could mix two of those things because I disagree and agree with you at the same time. The thing is, is that my argument would be that the videos of the cops that we saw, let's let's entertain your argument that this, like the, the Viking dude, the drunk Viking fan, as I call Q-Nard him. Q-Nard Shaman? Yes. Excuse me. The vegan shaman who's going to f- get fucking, you know what, in jail. <laughs> Um, uh, no, you can't because that's Priya and uh, they both get charged with. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, Prison Rape Elimination Act. Continue though. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, good sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> um, no, but what I mean is that, like, I. Okay, so that video, the police are escorting him, right? Yeah. Like, he's happy. They're hunky dory. They're all walking. If you look at any fascist revolutions or authoritarian revolutions that happen. Just like that. No. <laughs> this is new. This part is new. And, like, I actually am kind of jealous of that because, like, Jake and I went to that Packers game. Yeah. And they confiscated Jake's just horned helmet. And I was like, Jake needed to bring that. They would have maybe given us first-class seats or something based on what I saw. You're at a Vikings game. Yeah. Okay, all right, continue. And he flew TSA and it was fine. But apparently when you get into the stadiums, maybe he needed the shaman's uniform. Yeah. Then the police would escort us right to the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> but... Anyways, what I mean here is that I think those police officers were Trump supporters. Like, I I think that is, to me, the most obvious solution is because if you look at how hunky-dory they are, if you look at a lot of, like, reasons why a government falls, it's because internally there's police and military that side with the despot. In this case, there are so many reports out there about how, like, Trump wanted the military to side with him against Biden. They didn't. He also wanted the police, the Capitol Police didn't. But I think there were some police officers who did. And, or at least they so, played like, it coy. So, let me, yeah, yeah, let me finish yeah, yeah. real quick. But then again, and I, we'll get back to that, but mm-hmm. then I, I also wanted to address the provocateur thing because mm-hmm. there is a phenomenon after 9 11. The FBI would go to Islamic groups linked to Al-Qaeda, or they would go to young Islamic men mm-hmm. that maybe could be radicalized, and they would, you yeah, know, stir, stir the, the bit, Exactly. Yeah. And that phenomenon is almost as old as apple pie, maybe as old as Kraft mac and cheese. Let's, let's say it's like 50 years old, the provocateur thing. And, and the thing is, is it would not blow my mind if... There were provocateurs on yeah. January 6th. But I think the bigger picture is that there were enough people there that were willing to do what the provocateurs were willing for them to do. So for me, it's a mood point about the provocateurs because, again, there were enough tr- actual Trump supporters. Like, Ashley yeah, Babbitt no, yeah. was not a... Tr- Ooh. Ooh, no, we're good. we're good. Sorry, I thought it blocked out. But Ashley Babbitt was not a provocateur. She was just a full MAGA nut who died after getting shot by police because she went over the barricades like not a martyr she was a kook who unfortunately died because of a lie Mm -hmm. and 
Officer uh, with uh, Sk- Skitnik. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he, he died after the fact. Mm-hmm. He went back in to help people. There was like five suicides by other Capitol Police officers. I don't know. Oh, we do sell our temple hats on? Yeah, let's go. Well, maybe because they knew something that we didn't know. Do we know how they committed suicide? Can you elaborate on no, that? I'm being smart, I see. No. Because I don't know if we want to yeah. go down that road. Well, so honest, like, the one thing I do want to get back on and kind of defend a little bit here is the, uh, the aspect of, um, once again, nobody's ever done this before, so nobody knew how to handle this whole thing. No, I, I don't disagree and with I that. And I think the last time some uh, somebody did a protest like this, they, it was some church group, I think, from Utah. Um, they ended up gluing themselves like to the Capitol floor or some shit like that, whatever, right? So, I mean, you know, and, and it's there's a an environmental yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but in regards of, hey, that, the, the cops in there are all Trump supporters, that's why they're letting them you know, all, strut to this place. No, no, but what I'm getting at, though, dude, is like, I think it's not as complex as that, as what you're saying. I think it's more just on lines of, Nobody's ever done this before. This is technically a public building. Mm-hmm. They're inside. Mm. They haven't done anything mm. quite illegal yet, or you haven't witnessed that specific individual break the law. So where's your probable cause to arrest him for that that issue? So yeah, the dude's dressed, you know, strange, but this is a building that represents the people. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been in the Capitol. I've been in the Rotunda. Um, yeah, there are restricted areas within that facility, though, but it's still public property. That's an astute so, point. That's a very know, astute point. Yeah, so, like, okay, so if you have a dude come in and you have all these other ones come in, they're probably telling them to stand down because the last thing you want to do is shoot somebody in the Capitol because then what's that going to do? That person actually does become a martyr. I mean, as much like as... Like Ashley Babbitt kind of becomes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That person, you know, because they start shooting people. Okay, well, then you have Kent State all over again. That's a very good point. You know, it's a very so good it's point. like, okay, just let them come in, let them walk around, let them do their thing. All right, get out. <laughs> um, and it's but it's like it's a public building. They're able, their tax dollars, our tax dollars, pay for that building, and everything in there. You know, why can't you go into that facility? Why can't you go in that building? And do X, Y, Z. Um, place I work at, I mean, we have a front office. Um, it's you're allowed to come in there as a free citizen. I mean, I'm not even free as a citizen. You have to be whatever. You're allowed to come <laughs> in there. Yeah. To, yeah. I don't know what, whatever. You know <laughs> what I mean? You're allowed to come in there. And, you know, if you want to speak to uh, my boss, you are able to speak to my boss. Um, obviously, deeper in the facility, because of the nature of the work I do in law enforcement, you can't go that deep in there because uh, for obvious reasons. But in case of cap building, why can't you go into congressional chambers? You know, can I mean I'm really genuinely curious. So if we were to fly to DC right now and walk up to the Capitol and be like, I would like to go visit the representative of Washoe County, or whatever district, whatever district we're in. Can are we able to stroll up there and knock on his door? But hello, sir, I want to talk about X Y Z with you. Do you, you want to see what I'm saying? Though you yes. know what I mean. So and that's what I'm saying. Like I, you know, I really don't see him being Trump supporters. I feel a lot of people. I mean, because you think okay, just because you're a cop or you're military, doesn't mean you're a robot. You're no. still, you know, you're still a cis, and no, you but, still have feelings, and everything else. So, but I don't think it's to the point of what you're saying now. No, that but makes sense. but like I like this is kind of the thing I study is how fascism and authoritarian movements like overthrow a democracy. Yeah, like this is kind of my thing, and what I will say is that usually the first step would be like 
in the military, you have a breakdown between the officers and the enlisted class. Like that's typically how it starts. It's like the, I've already no, no, exactly. That's that's actually why like no, I'm I about it's on dated basis just because the military is no, no, but like, but like, I, I, I've I've talked to people that I will yeah. not bring on this, like names on this, but yeah, there's already like the officers are all anti-Trump, and a lot of the enlistees are very like MAGA, and very generally speaking. And General Flynn had some very interesting comments where he said, all we need is the brass tax to bring down. Like, like if you look at the martial law decrees that, like, Trump and them were talking about, there's a lot of former military generals and military experts who have, like, raised the alarms about, like, the way the military is breaking down in division politically. Like... Because, oh God, I don't know. You're not wrong. Okay, so so, let me let me finish. Is World War Two happened? One of the reasons it happened. There was a lot of reasons it happened. But one of the reasons it happened is because a lot of the German enlistees after World War One were disgruntled. Yeah, and a lot of really smart people like Bill Galston with the Brookings Institution argue that Afghanistan was our World War One. We lost it yeah and we have a lot of like veterans back home and a lot of like military enlistees that are very disgruntled with our system all you need is one leader to come kind of into that and like try to kind of redefine what the military means to them and this is not saying this is every veteran by any means but when your country keeps having failed military operations and you have like a growing distrust in institutions, it's a perfect way to like create a division inside of the military. And like Michael Flynn has addressed this in a lot of speeches about how like he's like, I know there's parts of us that are Q. And it does seem like in every previous coup in world history, mm-hmm. it's when like either the generals or the enlistees rise up against the other. And, and like, that does seem to be, like, a through line if you look at, like, most coups is, like, someone has to turn on the other. So my, my only argument to that that is more along lines of, um, <laughs> let me put it this way, dude. Like, enlisted don't like officers that yeah. much. Exactly. That's why it's easy to... Well, and, but, and the reason why I'm behind that though is because a lot of these dudes come in and they think they have a degree and they come in and they know they know more than us. And it's like, hey, you've been here for five minutes just because you have this... Caller device on doesn't mean that you know everything and let, everything. Let me interrupt you just super yeah. fast. Isn't that kind of like the elitism, like college versus not college yeah, thing exactly, in society? Yeah, it's exactly, like, yeah. oh, you went to Harvard, so you know more than yeah. me, you know? Anyways. And, I mean, but don't go There's some good military, there's some good officers out there. But <laughs> in regards to this whole thing, though, dude, like, and granted, I was only in the Navy, but... Only in the Navy. Yeah. One of the best branches of the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this whole, whole different fucking podcast. Um, I won't even In the ask. grand scheme of things, dude, it's it, the, the military, like, once again, the military is not a robot. Hmm. The military is still full of regular U.S. citizens. It's like, okay, I'm from here. This is my home. Um, 
you know, you're not going to tell me like, hey, you're going to go take over to this other person's home, like, say over here, over there, because this general somewhere has this bright idea. It's like, you know how many freaking generals have bright ideas all the time and just blow fucking tax dollars? It's insane. But but what if... I'm just saying, when I'm getting to those, like, I'm like I'm not saying I'm not going to listen to a, a general or an admiral in a wartime environment, and I mean, like, I don't mean domestically, I mean overseas, but... In regards to some stateside, though, it's like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I just, I'm the type of person, I see the forest of the trees a lot more than others. I mean, obviously, it's probably why you let me sit down here with you. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, duh. you know, that's that's just my whole two cents on this whole thing where it's like, look, the military, because that's one thing we still have now is a volunteer force, not a conscripted force. And because of the nations that, the, the laws of our nation would you can't force people to do something like that and especially another thing too you can identify with is uh Sorry, i'm just trying to find something no you're good here. um is uh if it's not a lawful order you don't have to do that that job if mm. that makes sense so if old boy tells us go storm the capital because the election's been stolen like okay well <laughs> You know, it's like, hey, that's not a lawful order because you're telling us to go storm this building without any sort of due regard, not due regard, but any sort of investigation work or knowing why the hell we're doing this or anything else. So it happens on a day-to-day basis, dude. Like, the military is not this... I know where you're going at with it, but with the people like Michael Flynn, the people that follow him are, like, Midwest fucking wannabe, like, you know, fucking America people. But in my my experience, from what I've seen... I don't know if I agree with that completely. Okay. Um, back in December of 2021, I guess it was, I, I did a I, I did a podcast on this back in 2021. You had three generals, retired U.S. generals. Um, Paul Eaton, retired, sorry, yeah, major general in the U.S. Army. Antonio Tugaba and Stephen Anderson. And they wrote that they worried that like we were kind of close to some sort of like a military coup, which is actually what like the Trump administration was resorting to after Mike Pence wasn't going to do his thing. And what they say here is if there's no top-down understanding of who won the election, different states have control over their National Guard. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Oklahoma that like COVID yes, and so they they expressed worries about how like they defied Biden, and like you, I think it was Biden or was that Trump? Might have even been Trump at the time because I'm trying to think like this was back. Yeah, but the vaccine came out underneath Biden, and that's when they started enforcing. Yeah, so 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 is but 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 the point was is that if there was no like clear winner and we're waiting on the counts. You could have different National Guard troops under different like branches try to like reciprocate. I'm trying to find the quote here that the article says that the U.S. should start planning ahead of time to play out the scenario of what happens if there's an undecided election. Because if we don't decide it, there could be problems. It says if that is not a clear-cut understanding, we could see the rank and file or any level in the U.S. military fall victim to some sort of a disillusion. And we saw it when 124 retired generals and admirals signed a letter contesting the election. We're concerned about that after seeing how different transitionary groups have fought against like national mandates. And like 
of course you're right that like that's not what the rank and file do. But I do think our military is somewhat of a good example of our society or a good analogy of our society. And I also think that like all the failed wars we've had mixed with economic decline that we're seeing are very acute in the military right now. And there's a lot of grievance that the people like Trump and DeSantis push, even though like they're really not pro-military, but they say they are. You know, that's always the... Yeah, it's like it's, they always say support your support the troops. It's just it's like if you don't, you ain't gonna get freaking elected, yeah. regardless. So, but 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 like Jesus, um, I understand where you're going with January sixth. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't no, know how no, I got you, into that. No, you're Sorry. fine. No, you're fine. I I think what I'm trying to get at, dude, is like with the military thing, dude, and I've I've had a small facet of the military I've worked in, but. I've been around a lot of it, and generally speaking, though, dude, it's like it's people in the military are just like everybody else, man. They're just trying to get by, and it was the the job that got put in front of them. But um, but what if the what if there's like the secretary of the navy was like loyal to Trump in 2024, mm-hmm. and I, this is the scenario I want to play out. Okay, go. Is Biden runs against Trump? Okay. Very close election. The Secretary of the Navy, who I don't know who he is. <laughs> Let's just, for this thought experiment, imagine that he's a Trumper. There's kind of a breakdown in messaging about who won the election. Okay. Then you also at the same time have the Ohio National Guard and the Florida National Guard. Because DeSantis has also created an election integrity police that are now policing the streets. During the time of a misconceived election. You have different National Guards saying different things about the election, and the generals are also split on it. You have Biden technically the winner, but also Trump is claiming victory. It's less of like a coup in the old school form. It's like the good people, like you're talking about in the military, they're just following orders because that's well, what they do. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, it's they're following orders, but at the same time, dude, it's like... That, but that's the worry of this article is they're not worried about the people you're talking about like betraying the country. They're just like, okay, we were told to do this. Yeah, and in a hypothetical sense, it's like, look, everybody in the military, like I'll be honest with you, like all my homies I've worked with, the if you got if you told them like, hey, you're going to the middle of town to worry about like we're all gonna be sitting there with our thumbs up or ass, like what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> like it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah. Like, we need to be worried about... I mean, I understand we took an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, but what domestic bullshit is going on here? You know, like... How do I say... I know, hold on. How do I say that sound like an asshole? Like, that article, to me, it sounds like an awesome, like, movie. I think it'd be a legit freaking movie. Like, hey, these, they, these units are talking to each other and having issues. And, like, they're, this one's getting this intel. This one's getting that intel. This journal's getting, like, that journal. It's very, um... Uh, was was the dude uh, from the Nuke movie? Dr. Strangelove. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what the general's name is. Was that Curtis LeMay? I think. I think it is. Uh, Peter Sellers is kind of the secret agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's a that's a legitimate thing, um, but at the same time, though, it's like, dude, it's it. it no, nah, like, we're not just gonna be like, yes, sir, we're following orders, like, rah, whatever. It's like, dude, I'm telling you, it's not like that, man. 
Now, when it comes to war fighting, actually putting, you know, bullets in foreheads and warheads on foreheads, like we're pretty fucking good at that shit, generally speaking. But but like I, so, I do have I, I I do have to push back. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, you've been in the military. I haven't. Yeah. But that being said. Yeah. It's not a Hollywood movie what these generals in this article are talking about. Yeah. It's like what's happened in almost every conflict in U.S. Yeah. Or not in U.S., but world history. I mean, even if you look at what happened in Yugoslavia after the collapse, it was like the population didn't know who to trust because there were multiple narratives coming out about like what was the next situation. So like, I, I think these generals are warning less about like the military turning on Biden, but it's more of like a breakdown in state control. And like state unanimity, I, no, I, I think I, I think I, that's yeah. what they're more concerned and it, about, and that's a true yeah. thing because we already see it with like some states being sanctuary states and others saying like go back to where you came from. We yeah. see that in terms of vaccine mandates. We see that like like the thing is is I, I think that's what their worry is is we're already like kind of priming the pump for that. And if you just had one more flawed election where it's so close and both of them are claiming victory, it could turn like different branches of the military. Into free fall. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be different branches because it's not gonna be like, oh, the Marine Corps is fighting the Army and the the Navy's fighting, you know, the Air Force or something. It's not gonna happen like that. Um, and it, this is one thing I want to say though too, dude. It's <coughs> like, a lot of these generals they don't fucking walk on water just because you have this fucking title. True. Um, and that's yeah, yeah. and you know a lot of people think that it's like, well, I know this person. He's X Y Z. So but if but if General Mattis said he was concerned about something, he's already he's already flip flopped on all of half of his shit. Anyways, he, though, he has as much as he says he that he he hasn't flip flopped on that many things. In my when no, when I'm saying talking about those, like he says he's against the military industrial complex and whatever though, and then he goes back and gets on like one of the boards thinking for Lockheed well, Martin. Well, they all on. say that. I mean, exactly. So when like is very possible. Okay, so. It's very your your the scenario that you just played out is very possible to happen, but at the same time though, like there's one like less than one percent of the U.S. population is serving the military. The other ninety nine point nine nine eight percent or you know nine nine percent, that's where you're really gonna have your fucking issues, and then in turn that's where you have all these this misinformation come down with the rest of these guard units and military units, whatever else so. There's still gonna be a command and control command and control structure in place for deployed units and everything else. So, yeah, you may or may not have like one or two guard units in remote places or whatever else that might go against um, whatever. But there's still gonna be a command control control structure in place to make sure that that integrity is in place. Hmm. But what? But I'll revert back to what I was saying. The other 99.9 percent. That's gonna be your bigger problem though, because those people are gonna be much more pissed off, much more crazy about the situation, regardless of left, right, whatever else though, that will make this whole thing of you just that whole scenario actually play out. No, because yeah, it's so gonna be I a think, breakdown of society, it's a breakdown of communication and everything else though. I, I so, think I, I don't think we're saying I don't think we're in disagreement actually. When you explain it like that. Yeah. What I'm meaning is that it's the military that could maybe legitimize it so then the rest of the population follows it in a more, like, structural manner. And that's what we do see in history is, like, if the military then splintered or at least you saw some sort of breakdown of, like, look, the reason why January 6th was not a big deal is because Mike Pence apparently has balls. 
even though I thought his wife cut them off a long time ago. But he had balls, and so did the majority of the military. Yeah. Um, there's a great book, How Civil Wars Start, by Barbara Walters. I think I think I talked to you about this scenario before, yeah. but it's basically like Kamala Harris runs for president. Uh, is in, this our book idea? No, no, this is actually a real book. That okay, no, no, but is it was it kind of okay. kind of, but 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 she plays like her book is all about different civil wars, like in Yugoslavia. That's her main example. She also looks at Timothy McVeigh, which I think was a key for like the far right in this country, and and the war on terrorism. There's some good books. If I'll, I'll put them in the listening notes for the listeners here. Um, but she says Kamala Harris runs in 2028. A drone assassinates her during her inauguration. Um, the Democrats in the cities try to quell protests by locking down freedom of expression. While Kamala Harris is dead, Donald Trump comes out of his basement and declares presidency. Replace Ron... DeSantis with that if you'd like. It doesn't really matter who it is. But basically what happens is we have a tech age and we have a quite decentralized state national guard system. Overnight, specific parts of the country believe Trump is president and other places believe that whoever the vice president was to Kamala Harris is president. Riots break out. Then all of a sudden there's false flag attacks, bombs, there's bombs that blow up in Chicago. Um, the government has to crack down, so it becomes a police state. Like, it, it's, it's already it's, fucked at that point. It's, it's not yeah. too far to me. No, because it's not. Yeah. I, mean, I actually yeah. do, and this is, <laughs> I, I, I'm a depressed person, so I might as well be depressing <laughs> on this, is I do think we're probably at like 1159. Oh, on the clock of like U.S. like democracy, yeah. Like all we need is one more. Whether or not January sixth was serious or not, all we need is one more of those. But maybe like Mike Pence gets hung, and yeah, I think like U.S. democracy is over. Like like I I think we're that close to it. I I, I truly do. Yeah, I mean I. I... Yeah. There's a lot of hmm, there's a lot of moving parts with, with the scenario you just played out. That would <laughs> yes, have <sir>. to go. <laughs> that's like that's like going to a junkyard, and we're just gonna huck metal at each other, and eventually <laughs> we're gonna get a Corvette out of this whole thing with <laughs> fuel in it too. So, um, it's, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts in it that actually have to happen that, that can go in place. So because, you know, I know we just talked about these Palestine thing about resources and assets well at least i really hope the government still has a checks and balances place going see i think that too dude like okay so you know okay she's assassinated the vice president is you know the president now though too but he also has a succession of power though that i think goes to who's after vice president the, sec- the speaker of the, the house speaker right of the house. and then secretary of state yeah and, and then then i i want to say it's what's for fun look this up because it gets, I should know this. Joel succession. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Vice president, speaker. Then it's the pro tempoir, which would have been Chuck Grassley, who's like 90. What the and hell then is that? Pro, what, okay, hold on, hold on. 
What's a pres- What's a pro tempore? I believe it's the, the oldest Senate. member of the Senate, which makes no sense. Let okay. Me, let me just confirm that. Um, I know more about public policy than our actual institution, but pro. Okay, so it's just it's the person authorized to preside over the Senate, sign legislation. So it's pretty much like, other than the majority leader, it's like the most important. Okay. So, anyways, but getting so back like, to that, like, it's like, like, like yeah. look at this really quick. So we, so we got then Secretary of State, Secretary 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 of Treasury, Secretary of Defense, Attorney General, Secretary of the Interior. It go down. Tell me when the homeland uh, the surprising because they know more about shit than everyone else who's last on the list homeland security the secretary of veterans affairs above secretary of homeland security i like how number 13 secretary of housing and urban development yeah shout out to uh uh soul survivor whatever that show was oh, um, with the, designated survivor yeah designated survivor good show actually you, i appreciate that show do you want to put on your tinfoil hat for a minute yeah go Homeland Security probably has the most intelligence on all Americans, but somehow that's the person who's last in charge. Well, and, and if you scroll up, though, too, so if you look at number... So Secretary of Defense is number six. I think they're just saying, though, like, look, if we lose these first five... <laughs> we're fucked, Okay, right? yeah, we need... Like, th- like it's going to turn into a fucking police state. And I'm sorry, if we're looking at the Secretary of Commerce <laughs> or Secretary of Health and Human Services, like, it, it, it's already down the shitter at that point. Good, good point. You good know, point. so, um, I don't know, you know. I will, I will just interrupt and say, I'll get to you when the Secretary of Commerce is president. That's if you can get to me. Yeah, I, I probably won't. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, okay, so, so to wrap this up, how do we, like, do you think there's any hope? Like, because... The thing is, is that like, I think a lot of my friends, because I, I would say about half my friends have completely disconnected from politics. And that means Marjorie Taylor Greene is ranting about national divorce, which, by the way, is... Uh, have you seen the movie The Banshees of Inner Sheeran? Mm. It's a movie... It, okay, pretend like you and I are the main characters, because we're a good metaphor for it. It's like... Two good friends who live on an island of Ireland. They're watching the Civil War happen in the 1920s on the island next to them. Um, Brandon Gleason's character um, decides he... It'd be like if you said, Alex, I hate you. All of a sudden, after like 30 years of friendship, I hate you, I don't want to talk to you, um, leave me alone. And if you bother me, I'm going to cut off a finger every day you bother me. And the whole movie's like a dark comedy about Colin Farrell's character trying to like find out why all of a sudden his best friend doesn't want to talk to him. And he ends up cutting off all his fingers and throwing them in his driveway. But the point of it is, is that it's a metaphor for the Irish Civil War. Is like, once you get to a point of like cutting off your fingers, the obscurity of it, it means like you're, there's no going back. And Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments last week were like, we're in a national divorce. Like, and there's no national divorce, John. Like, I don't, like I don't know what that means. She she said like what it would mean is that like red states and blue states separate. Oh, like okay. a civil war is basically okay. like like yeah. what my point is is there's no such it's thing a PC as PC civil war. Yes. There's no such thing as a national divorce. She also said Democrats can't move to Republican states and vote. They're not allowed to vote if they go to 
Like, like, but the Banshee of Inner in that movie reminded me that there's no such thing as national divorce. There's only civil war. There's only, like, violence and pain. And so what's, do you have anything optimis- optimistic to end? Um, so the one thing I will say with the civil war thing is mostly along lines of, <laughs> look, it, uh, what's the first word is civil, so us as hmm. civilians have to fight. And most people, what they want to do is they want to sit at home, watch on Fox or CNN or whatever, <laughs> click it off, go to bed, and wake up and go about the merry way. People don't understand if a civil war kicks off now, kicks off now, it's, look what happened in Iraq when we went in. Regardless of whatever your political opinion is, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the principle of what happened to that country when we went in there. There's warlords cutting off people's heads on street corners. Yeah. That will happen in your neighborhood. Your neighbor, your you know, hey, hey, Phil, how's how's the missus? How the kids doing? Maybe Phil murders your family. No, yeah, Phil's going to kick in your fucking door, and take what you have. People don't understand like when you call for civil war and you've never seen that type of shit before, you have no fucking clue what's going to happen. Amen. Um, regards to optimism, uh, I I just I revert back to the three foot world concept. Now I'm saying you have to, you know, bury your head in the ground like a like a ostrich. I almost said turkey. <laughs> bury your head in the ground like a turkey, like an ostrich. God damn it! I prefer turkeys. <laughs> yeah. Ostrich is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, dude! You and your birds. I hate birds. I know. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, you know, you have you have no control over what these people are going to do and what their actions are. You can sit here and gripe, bitch, and complain about how much money Biden's in the Ukraine. That's it's not going to make a difference. I mean, like, here's a good idea, like, or a good example, excuse me. Um, like, look at taxes. You are born in this country, and you get a birth certificate and social security number. You have to pay taxes. It is, you cannot not opt out of it. And I don't mean not opt out of it. Like, hey, I'm going to take my money out of this, and then I'm going to bring it to you. And have my tax dollars go to you. It's just automatically just deducted from your account and given to them willy nilly. And what's the old same? T- you know, taxation is all representation. Okay, same thing. So, to bring it full circle here on this whole thing, it's. Do you do you think Ukraine is taxation without representation? One hundred percent. Because we're just shitting the money over there. And on top of that, everybody knows that before then, before the war started, we laundered a bunch of our crap over there. Um, but two, it's also a testing ground for the um, uh, for the military industrial complex. See, like, hey, all the stuff we designed to fight the Russians, generally speaking, now we can see in action and see how it works. Um, oh, for sure. You know, yeah, we can send that the we can send all that money over there, and they, you know, we need to make sure that. Give them the shit they need to fight, 100%. I'm all about it. But make sure we know, hey, I mean, Zelensky just like was like last week, week and a half ago, that he just had a huge corruption scandal within his uh, cabinet. Look, look, there's there's those in, in any administration. No, 100%. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm getting at those like, okay, if we're just going to throw all this money out, don't just write a blank check and just be like, hey, I trust you with it. Go for it. Go forth and conquer. There needs to be some checks and balances with that because it is our tax dollars. Can, can so, I, yeah, can yeah, I kind of add something? I mean, since we yeah. touched on Ukraine, I, I know you need to go. We'll, yeah. we'll just talk about this for a second. But I, I think you're correct. This is a great time for us to test our weapon systems. 
The thing is, is that I, I actually think Biden, like, because I was telling you in the car earlier, is that, like, I actually think Biden's been a pretty milquetoast leader, but I kind of like that because, like, I don't think a lot of his decision-making is bad. But in the case of Ukraine, I don't think he's doing enough. And here's the main reason. Russia keeps threatening us with force, right? Like, they keep saying if we go further, they're going to threaten us with force. Yeah. We've seen the Russian military. It fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, we need to, like, I'm kind of a neocon when it comes to these issues. I'll be full to admit that. But, like, I think we are missing an opportunity to basically put Russia in the ground. And I wouldn't have said this two years ago, but watching what they're doing to the people there, watching the reports coming out of Moldova, Putin wants to annex Belarus by 2025. Like, this is not about Ukraine, and Putin's military sucks. But... His words ring enough that we don't want to piss him off. And China's even walking on eggshells. Like, China doesn't want this war. Do you, do you really think China wants this war? No, because it's going to be... There's innocents being killed over there left and right. It's war. It's world history. It's been happening for world history. <laughs> um, like, look, dude, if World War Three kicks off, you're going. Whoever's yeah. listening to this is going. Like, mm-hmm. either that you go or it's going to end up on your fucking doorstep. And I'm going to go, but I'm going to complain the whole goddamn time. <laughs> okay? Because of some assholes fucking, you know, want to go back to the olden days of the USSR. Like, you see, know. See, I'd, I would I would be willing to fight that war. And I, I remember a year ago I told my dad, I was like, if it gets worse, I will volunteer. Mainly because I see this as an extra, like an existential threat to the post World War Two order. Yeah. But so with that whole thing though, I just uh, Putin saw his nukes in his back pocket. People don't understand that it's not just one nuke and it's going to happen over there. It's not like fine. It's not like hey, I'm running over my neighbor's toilet, drop an M80, and it's not going to affect me at all. Right. It's like no, you are going to. It's it's apocalypse. But, we but do you think ours, he uses they them? Launch, huh? Do you think Putin uses the nukes? I don't know. I mean, I think honestly, at this point now, it's like if he doesn't use them, I'm not gonna be surprised. If he does use them, I'm not gonna be surprised either. Okay. Does does is Putin more likely to use the nukes or to be deposed by? Uh, Here's I, Golvin, for example. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? It's just, it's gonna be like, hey, which one? I, I don't I don't know. It's yeah. whoever gets to who first, so it, and then it two, it's like, it. hey, if somebody else gets in charge there, there might be more more amp to push the button to you know to to start that whole process. Peter Govin, I think though, would be like I was telling you in the car yeah. as well. This is a guy I think. Listen to my podcast, by the way, from yesterday. If you're tuning in, um, he he is a guy who. I think wants power and likes the dark state shadow work that he's done for Putin. I don't know if he actually likes like the Western sanctions. Yeah. And like you have to realize is that like Putin's a rare actor in this case because the far right hates the West, but the far right I don't know if they wanted this war as much as like Putin claims. Yeah. So it gets complicated and like I don't disagree with you that like I don't see this being a world war. I see, well, I, don't, I, I can't thoroughly say that. 
I see this more being some sort of like long drawn cold war that like like it, if I was looking at this moment based on my understanding of the previous conflicts we've had what I would say <clears throat> is that this is the beginning of the cold war with China um, China's already put out a peace plan which is actually just only good for China it's not yeah. good for anyone else um, China agrees with Russia but doesn't want to say it we yeah. all of a sudden have cut a lot of our major economic ties with China like to me Russia is the first or Ukraine is the first quasi conflict much like the Koreas was the first conflict of the Cold War that's where I see this going is, is we are now truly in a Cold War with China and it's been a long time coming and I'm glad Trump is not president. Going full circle back, like DeSantis and Trump want to pull us out of all of our treaties. Um, DeSantis is now playing Trump's words of like, why are we in Ukraine when we should be at the southern border? Well, dude, there's different branches of government to deal with different things. 100%. Like these people act like idiots. And yeah, like, I don't do. know if the base is dumb or if they're just playing dumb. But that's the thing is like, I'm glad Biden's president during this to be completely honest. And John, it was a pleasure, pleasure bringing you on today. Uh, good show, long show. Um, always a pleasure. Again, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. If you're on the Patreon, I like your $5. Please send that <laughs> my way. Um, John, do you have any plugs or anything to say before we're out of here? Yeah. Uh, stay in your three-foot world, people. Uh, keep your world small. Um, keep your tribe small. Um, and uh, go do some jujitsu. Go roll. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that next there's time. There's there's some some thought provoking and uh, changes yourself as a person if you just enjoy getting choked out every uh, other day by another human being. So and appreciation for life. So yeah, go out and just enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. And John, I love you, brother. Thanks for coming Thank back. You, and, yeah. <laughs> Get home. Bro.